0: Before we jump into this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the Awabakal people, whose beautiful coastal lands I am currently looking out at the water from in Mullabimba. We have some guests calling in as well from across so called Australia, and we recognise that the traditional custodians of these lands are the proud survivors of more than 200 years of dispossession. We recognise and respect their cultural heritage, beliefs, and continuing relationships with the land. Welcome to Somebody You Love, or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love. And I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines, and banging the people who vote against our rights. Hello, it's Jenna here. Now, I don't have Holly with me this week, sadly, but I think I've made up for it by having not one, not two, but three guests. So I am joined today by Janelle and Carly from Decrim Queensland, who are going to update us on the Queensland sex work law reform process, which is currently underway. Uh, It's exciting and it's a little bit frightening. And I've got a little bonus mini episode coming out for you this week, which is an interview with an anonymous migrant sex worker who has agreed to share with us some of her personal experiences with the laws and licensing model that is currently in place in Queensland. So first up, I'm going to chat to Janelle and Carly from Decrim Queensland. Hello, Janelle and Carly. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you both? Great. Great.
1: Great to be here. Good, thanks for
0: having us. Our, I'll, say, I'll say our pleasure, but it's my pleasure because Holly isn't here, but I know she's cheering us on. Um, so, can you? So, you're both from Decrim Queensland. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what Decrim Queensland is to start with?
1: Yeah, so Decrim Queensland is a group of sex workers that band together in 2018 to help bring about decriminalisation of sex work in Queensland.
2: Yeah, and we joined with Respect Inc., that's the Queensland Sex Worker Organization. And um yeah, we're spread throughout the state. So it's a really diverse group of people.
0: And so do you sort of you have the support of Respect Inc., I get I guess that's sort of yeah. you're attached. Yeah, absolutely. We're kind of you
2: can imagine us as kind of operating alongside respect. Yeah. And so we overlap with respect and a lot of people are involved in respect as well. Um, but uh we act autonomously and, um, have a collective decision-making process.
0: Um, so we're, we're at a process, we're in the middle of a process, aren't we in Queensland at the moment? Tell us where, what, what's happening in terms of the, the sex work laws.
2: So, yeah, sex workers have been campaigning for decriminalisation in Queensland for decades, and um, there's been a great push by sex workers, allies and lots of different organisations to get the really harmful licensing framework repealed and get rid of the laws that um, allow police entrapment of sex workers. Right now we've managed to get the government to do a review the sex work laws that's underway and that independent committee called the queensland law reform commission is reporting back in november so we've all put in our submissions we've all said that we really need full decriminalization but we're waiting now to see what comes out of the review process
0: so i i should probably know this i'm pretty sure i should know this who what is that committee made up of the qlrc
2: so, they're mainly um, lawyers, judges, um, people in the legal area, and um, but also a committee who um, or a secretariat who are quite a diverse bunch of people from, who've seconded people from areas like workplace health and safety, health, um, yeah, lots of planning, et cetera, to look at what needs to change around the laws we have some concerns though about um, some of the things that might go wrong in this process and particularly as sex workers who put in a submission to the process will know the consultation paper definitely is still talking about licensing and which is pretty confusing for us because the biggest, The biggest problem we have in Queensland is the current laws and the licensing framework itself. So um, we're pretty concerned that uh, the QLRC um, needs to hear from all of us that the licensing framework has to go. We're also pretty worried that, um, like other states and territories, you know, Everybody starts off as sex worker activists really trying for full decriminalisation and that being our, obje- our objective. But um, we really don't want any sex workers to be left behind in this process. And the consultation paper does talk about leaving some aspects of sex work still in the criminal code and that would mean some sex workers still criminalised. It also excludes strippers. And we're really concerned that strippers are not going to be decriminalised. It's a major campaigning issue for us right now.
0: Has there been some confusion about whether stripping is is included in what they're covering? Or I've heard different reports. Is that me, or is that them?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, there has. There does seem to be some confusion at the QLRC end about strippers, and um, they kind of uh, they're trying to make this. As, you know, legislators often do to us as sex workers, they're trying to make this line in the sand that divides us up into somehow different sex workers. And we've been saying back strongly that, you know, strippers are sex workers too and absolutely deserve the same workplace health and safety and other rights that sex workers will get from decriminalisation. The other, the kind of strange bit about it that's pretty confusing to everyone is the um, when the attorney general referred the issue to the QLRC, they say that um, the review should cover all sex workers, whether it's legal or illegal. So all sex workers should be part of the review, and yet the QLRC is taking a different position, and they're saying um, strippers are not included.
0: So we have spoken uh, on the show before about the differences between sex work being decriminalised and being legal and licensing models. Can you talk to us a little bit about what is currently in place in Queensland? What is the licensing model?
1: Yep. So we currently have um, a licensing framework in Queensland. So at the moment that means that 80% of the sex industry works outside of the framework because the framework itself is so limiting. Um, We only have... 22 licensed brothels in Queensland as well, which obviously means that sex workers have an extremely limited uh, way in which they can work. The difference between licensing and decriminalisation is decriminalisation is the removal of police as regulators of the sex industry and also removing the legislation from the criminal code as well. So we wouldn't have any of that within that framework itself.
0: Why is it that 80% of sex workers cannot cannot work legally under this framework?
2: So, yeah, most people know that Queensland has a licensing framework and um, that's really one part of the three pieces of legislation that create all the laws regulating sex work in the sex industry. And the result of licensing, of course, is that people who can fit into the licensing framework end up having access to legitimacy and rights, but everybody else, and in Queensland that's more than 80% of the industry, is locked outside of the licensing framework and um, are under police scrutiny and... you know, likely to be arrested. So the three pieces of legislation are the Prostitution Act that creates the licensing framework and also the licensing authority. So it allows for boutique licence brothels, and there's 20 of those in Queensland, um, but it also at the same time criminalises all other sex work business models or sex industry business models, and by that I mean escort Um, erotic services at massage parlours, BDSM parlours, um, two sex workers working together or collectives even. Uh, So on top of that, we have a really hideous set of laws in the criminal code that criminalise most sex worker safety strategies. And by that, we mean things like checking in at the end of a booking, letting somebody know where you are, the address you're going to for a booking, driving each other to an outfall or even um, having somebody a receptionist to screen your booking. On top of those criminal code laws, uh, we also have police powers that allow police to entrap sex workers. So that's really police posing as a client, deceiving sex workers into agreeing to an illegal service of some kind. And that might be, you know, a doubles booking right? So doubles are legal in licensed brothels in Queensland, but they're illegal for everybody else. So if you're a private worker, client rings up, they're looking for a double. No one would think twice about that, right? Because as sex workers, clients bring up and ask about doubles all the time.
0: And it's and it's something that a lot of us really enjoy. Absolutely. Because we're able to work with a peer, we've got a friend there with us, like it's nice, we feel perhaps... I know I get a little sense of well there's two of us and, and one of them and that's you know uh, you know that only goes so far but it's a nice feeling.
2: Yeah totally and you know who would you know imagine having to miss out on those eye rolls and glances yeah. across at each other exactly. in the booking right <laughs> So um yeah mm-hmm totally unfair that
1: as private workers in Queensland we're unable to to doubles yeah so as Janelle said um in Queensland it's legal for police to pose as clients in order to entrap sex workers so this um is obviously pretty horrific for sex workers it means a massive invasion of privacy for us uh they Police in Queensland will often text um, or call a sex worker to organise a booking um, under the guise of being a client. That will often include asking things like for uncovered services um, or implying that that is what could occur with the worker and whether or not the worker agrees to that, the police officer can still turn up um, at that person's place of work and then arrest sex worker and you know that scenario
2: of police engaging with you as a um, client is a really hideous experience because I don't know people work differently but you know when somebody turns up at my call and um, from they walk in the door I'm starting the kind of you know intimate touching and um, you know engaging with that person in an intimate way and I'm in my laundry and you know When that person turns around after that kind of engagement and um, pulls out their badge, tells you they're a cop, it's a really hideous feeling. And not only do police then often charge sex workers in Queensland with um, a charge under knowingly participate in the provision of prostitution, a criminal code charge, they also use our money and our devices um to charge us with tainted property and they they actually take your money and your phones you might get them back later on some people haven't and um yeah it's a massive inconvenience because of course without your phone and you know your income um yeah yeah, it throws your week and your life out right yeah
0: yeah. I think you've made a really great point there about like from the second you open the door or the client opens the door, the second that booking starts, we're trying to create a safe space and an intimate space. And you it may not be that you're naked or, or whatever, but there's a there's a vulnerability there and there's a shared experience there. And we really, you know, we give, no matter where you work in the industry or how you work, you know, we give a lot of ourselves to our clients and to our work, you know, we're, we're there, we're a part of it. Um, so at any point in that process for someone to turn around and, um, you know, throw handcuffs on you is just so violating. I'm so grateful. I haven't had that experience and it it really, I mean, I've only worked in Queensland once. Um, and the laws are a big part of that because it, it doesn't, it, it scares me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that that experience of, you know, somebody you thought was a client, a paying client, turning out to be a cop who's going to take your income and your phone and not pay you for that time. Um, Yeah, yeah, there's a question of consent, right, because you've been engaging with that person, you know, having consented to that activity Understanding, they were a paying client. It's totally wrong, yeah, and I think when absolutely. I think when most people hear about that, they they're just totally appalled that. In- entrapment is allowed to happen in that way but we also we're kind of confused about how it is happening because even in the act itself it says that you know decisions have to be made about whether this is you know a significant crime and um, somebody has to give approval for it to go ahead so we think it's part of the just really long history of problematic policing and uh you know a culture within the police force of seeing sex workers as criminals and or lesser people in our community which of course absolutely
0: yeah i mean is is two people working from the same hotel room a a significant crime like that's mm, i didn't know that that's yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah, and, you know, just on that um, idea of um, people being able to be charged just for working in the same hotel room, it's just so obscure, isn't it, because you know, how would you know, right? You've made a booking. Well, it's not
0: just in the same room, is it? No. It's in the same hotel building. That's right,
2: and that's because of the definition of premise um, or premises, which means that it would be an illegal brothel if more than one sex worker is working from that same location.
0: Yeah. So, for for our listeners, uh, actually, I won't say the law. You you would have a better grasp on it than I would. But for our listeners, what is it that 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 two sex workers are legally not allowed to both work at the same time or at the
2: same location?
0: At the same location. Yeah,
2: and um, the yeah. and the
0: location.
2: It's actually in the same premises. The definition of premise is very broad so even a hotel is still one premise and you know it's been it's really you'd think it's really so silly right that it just doesn't make sense not logical at all but it's still been used and you know even in COVID, we had situations where police were um, finding out two workers were um, in the same hotel um, during lockdown. So no indication they were working, just two sex workers in the same hotel. And police were approaching receptionists, telling them that they could actually legitimately evict the person, uh, the two people from the hotel. Yeah, really bad. No, no
1: empathy. We also have a lot of different legislation. So, for example, sex workers in Queensland, we can't text each other. We can't text another sex worker when a client arrives or leaves from a booking. That's actually illegal. Um, We're not allowed to share drivers in Queensland. So if another sex worker uses a driver, it's illegal for both the driver and the sex worker to use the same driver as well.
0: And to be clear, it's perfectly legal in Queensland, right, for somebody to go on a date from somebody they've met online um, and to text a friend who also is doing online dating to let them know when they've arrived at the date and leaving the date. Yes. That's legal, yeah, but not if, that, if there's an exchange of money involved. But could you tell us a little bit about what covid was like for Queensland workers because um because it's quite different to my experience when when we had lockdowns in New South Wales um you know they weren't they weren't policed we don't have a you know a body that that polices sex workers here in that same way
2: yeah so it it was really kind of obscure during COVID for sex workers in Queensland because police um, took it on themselves to attempt to stop sex workers from working way before anybody was in lockdown. And, you know, that would be, you know, people, your listeners will know how ridiculous that is when sex workers we, you know, we're always the first ones to look out for our health. So lots of sex workers had already stopped working. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they did things like they contacted uh, one of the advertising platforms and told them that they would have to take down the adverts of all sex workers. Um, Yeah, and that was before lockdown. So no legal reason for that to happen but just police deciding what um what a public health response would be we were in the meantime as sex workers of course and respect was um engaging with the health department and others to ensure that you know sex workers had clear information and guidelines about what to do but of course police inconvenience
0: and um criminalize sex workers Okay, so Janelle, you've talked about there only being these 20 brothels in Queensland. Can you explain what that means in practice for sex workers?
2: So that's one of the things about the licensing framework, only having the 20 licensed brothels, that, um, you know, if there's only one brothel in your area, then uh, if you're not having a great time at that workplace or don't like the conditions or are unhappy with you know, the way the boss is operating, there isn't any opportunity to, like there is in other places, to just go down the next suburb and the job at a different location, right? Um, And of course, in a lot of areas of Queensland, um, there is no licence brothel. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, Queensland's a bloody big state with a lot of big cities, And there's 20 across the whole state. I mean, that's pretty, that's really not very many. Yeah. And so
2: that's kind of how we all end up operating, right? That 80% of people operating outside of the licensing framework. A large amount, a large number of us are working as private sex workers, but some of us also work massage parlors. And um, that's an area that's heavily policed. So that's usually police um, identifying somewhere through adverts and uh, then going along posing as clients and uh, yeah, getting evidence that you are um, offering some extra services. And, uh, you know, it's quite, uh, quite common in Queensland for massage parlours to be um, for a raid to be done. Interestingly, often the owners and operators don't get charged, but the individual oh. workers do. And we've had some, oh. yeah, some, some big raids recently in Queensland that are really problematic and end up with all the individual sex workers charged, and um, you know, money being taken and um, phones, devices, etc., taken. And of course. Classic. You know, for lots of us working in massage settings, right, there's lots of reasons why you might choose to do that. Some yes. For some people it's because you can, you know, decide on what services you want to offer and not offer full service to everyone who comes in for other people it's because you know you can have a lot of control over your working hours if you're fitting around childcare and stuff mm-hmm. um, and of course you you know it's not always a 50-50 cut situation so you can actually end up with a bit more for each booking working in massage settings so there's lots of reasons to do it but um, police for however they've managed to do this I'm not sure but they really frame massage parlors as places of exploitation and um it's simply not the case um you know all workplaces can be all work right can be exploitative and um that's why we need decriminalization but um it's certainly not true the way that massage parlors in Queensland are framed to as being you know having worse working conditions than other places
0: yeah, look, that's my, my reasoning when I worked in a massage parlor was for that, that first reason mostly um, was that I, I could decide who I offered services to, whether I was comfortable, all that sort of thing. So, I mean, for me, that question of exploitation in that environment is, is pretty absurd because the very reason I was doing it was that I didn't feel that I had to do anything I didn't want to do. And that so, you know. And I, But logic isn't, they don't love logic, do they? No,
2: and yeah. Logic. I mean, that's it, right? Queensland laws, there's nothing logical about them. (laughs) Talking about a logical, imagine being a small business owner, providing a service, yet you're not able to describe your service in your advertising. Completely obscure and, you know, no, why, why would you not be able to do it? But, yep, that's the case in Queensland
0: particularly in a service where there's a huge amount of consent boundary setting involved. Like that, if if anywhere it should be prioritised that you can explain, you know, what happens and what doesn't happen and that you can negotiate that sort of thing beforehand, that's where it should be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
2: so it gets in the way for lots of sex workers and really that's kind of the stepping off point for police and charging sex workers. Often it starts with them reviewing the adverts and um, seeing something that's you know outside of the guidelines. Which let's face it, right? Nobody can really work within the advertising guidelines in Queensland, and um, so we're all stepping outside of it frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they see your ad, um, then it allows them to get permission to yeah do an undercover sting and. then you're likely to end up with one of the other charges because also most of us are operating, um, we're making that decision every day right about whether we work legally or work safely. And if you choose to
1: work yeah. safely, then you are, you know, you're at risk of being charged As you were saying, like when they go through your ads and that's kind of the first step in the process of being entrapped, it's also um, worth noting that a lot of the time you won't know that your advertising isn't compliant until you receive a fine in the mail Um, and that could be potentially months since your advertising has been up. So you could have been breaching numerous times without that knowledge and no one actually informs you of that. Um, Also really important to note that the PLA actually repealed um, the idea that you were able to check your advertising compliance with them in 2018. So, when you have the organization or the board that is setting those guidelines um, and they won't even tell you if your ad is compliant, how are you meant to check that? And again, it's something being phrased as guidelines <laughs> is open to interpretation.
0: Yeah, right. So, it's not clear exactly what you, you can and can't say or show? Is that correct?
1: So there are some circumstances where it is pretty clear so for example using the terminology massage um, but there are examples in the guidelines um, you know about referring to bodily Mm. fluids for example and they use the example mistress P a lot Mm. Um, and that's actually stated in the guidelines so when you're reading a document that's meant to be (laughs) very official and you're meant to cut and dry know what you're supposed to say Mm. or not say but you Mm. can't check it and those are the examples mm. that you've been given, which is completely out of the realm of what most sex workers would sure. even consider yeah. saying in their advertising. You have no legacy. So to all stress. you
0: know is, well, I can't say Mistress P a lot, but. Yes. So I can't say Mistress P a lot,
1: but maybe that shit, means. Shit, that,
0: that I... was my, oh, that was going to be my big break, Mistress P a lot. I was. That was yeah, going to be my working shit, then. It's, taken. <laughs> it's a bit of a pun, you know? Oh, damn it. Uh, I don't think we've talked about this on our show before and I think a lot of people outside of the industry don't realise that uh, sites that scrape our ads are also a, a really big problem um and so if what's put out and this is so so these sites will take some of our pictures they might take our copy they might not put the two together they might take somebody else's pictures and our copy and put them together or whatever and to try and populate these sites to try to get them more popular and we have no say in it whatsoever and we don't often know that they're out there um, and they can say, and I've come across ads that have advertised things that I don't do and have said certain things about, put me in locations that I'm not in, in states I'm not in. Um, and so if if I could be potentially fined for an ad that somebody else has put up for me that I had absolutely no say in, I mean, it's a bit absurd. It's a whole other issue, of course, but it just compounds that for workers in Queensland.
1: I think that also comes back to receiving a pin in the mail. You might not have any idea that that advertisement exists. Um, And then months later, you could be receiving a fine. And so you either have the option of paying that fine or going to court to fight that fine. And when it comes down to those two options, especially being outed as a sex worker, which is a massive risk um, of going to court to fight that, and as well as legal costs and everything that's involved with that, it's a lot easier to just pay the fine. And so you're stuck in that kind of position where you can't actually fight for your rights or fight for the fact that that isn't yours and that it was taken and reworded. Instead, your only option, essentially, is to pay the fine.
0: Yeah,
2: And, you know, on those um, pins, Carly, it's, it's the case, right, that it doesn't even say what you've, you know, oh. anything about what you've done wrong. Yeah. It just says you've infringed yeah. the act.
0: So you've got So no- you
1: don't even know yeah and so
0: then there's you can't then fix it you just keep getting the fine no and,
1: oh. and your only reference is to refer back to the guidelines
0: that you can't check wow <laughs> just ridiculous Why is safety illegal for sex workers in Queensland?
2: It makes no sense to me, but it's true. It's illegal to work in the same building as another sex worker.
0: It's illegal to hire a receptionist. It's illegal to check in with another sex worker when your client leaves.
1: It's illegal to use a driver that another sex worker uses, and my boyfriend cannot be my driver. It's illegal to share overheads or work in pairs.
2: It's illegal for me to text a friend my location. We all want to be safe at work. Stand with sex workers against harmful laws that make our safety strategies unlawful. Respect Inc. is a non-profit, peer-based community organisation focused on protecting the rights, health and well-being of Queensland sex workers.
0: For more information, go to www.respectqld.org.au So, with this whole licensing framework and these multiple codes under the Queensland law, obviously, uh, you know that's going to make sex workers not super keen on the police, right? Um, and so, how, what do you see in, in the in the work that you do, and in the people you've spoken to, and from your own experience potentially as well? How do you how do you see sex workers interacting with the justice system?
1: So, most of the time, it's complete avoidance of the justice system if they can. Um, a lot of the time people will contact um, respect as an organization or other sex workers um, on how to go about approaching police so that's to report crimes like that are quite horrific so sexual assault um, rape all sorts of things and as well general things so breaking and entering um any kind of crime that anyone else in the general population would like to report for sex workers they have to go through a whole bunch of different things Uh, and questioning whether that's something that they want to do because of the risks. So, and it has happened. We have seen it. This isn't, you know, Mm. fictional risks that we are just kind of making up that could happen. Um, A lot of sex workers have on their police files that they are sex workers, whether they have said that or not. Uh, A lot of police talk quite voyeuristic with their questioning, um, so very unnecessary things especially regarding sexual assault. And if you have just been, you know, gone through a situation where where you've been violated, having someone asking those personal questions, which are just out of interest and it's not anything to do with evidence collection, it's, you're being violated all over again. Um, You also have to, you know, you potentially have to out yourself depending on the crime as well. Uh, Sex workers are entrapped after reporting crimes. Um, there's, there's just, there's so much that goes on with that. It's insane. It's horrible.
0: So because if if you go and report a crime, then the police is a, and and in that process have to out yourself as a sex worker. Then the police are aware that you are a sex worker, and you potentially um can be putting a target on yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, and so, for example say that you have gone in to report a crime and that police officer has put on your file that you are a sex worker, even if that's related to the crime or not, that can be brought up by other police. Uh, and, it you know, I've seen it happen with sex workers that have been pulled over for, um, you know, yeah. RBT lines and things like that. Their license have been run. So they would do more tests like drug testing and things like that as well, because of the stigma of being a sex worker that's associated with their name on that database now.
0: And so this system that, I mean, I assume there are people who are telling us that it's its to protect sex workers and it's to protect everyone, is really preventing sex workers from having access to justice. Yeah, Massively.
2: Yeah. And so we did uh, recently Decrim Queensland did a survey of 204 sex workers and um, it really highlighted uh, the ways that, police avoid taking reports from sex workers. There were lots of examples of sex workers attempting to report crime and being laughed at or treated so badly that they didn't go ahead with the report or police just saying, um, I don't see what the crime is. You're a sex worker. You've brought it on yourself. So major barriers to reporting crime, failure by police to act when reports are received and as uh, carly has outlined you know um just that kind of uh stigma um being placed on sex workers with every engagement with the police so as a result sex workers are very reluctant to have any engagement
0: it's funny the way we um uh, well, I, I know I have a tendency sometimes to downplay things like that um, in, for myself. Um, and, you know, a few years ago I had to go to the police to deal with um, a uh, somebody online who was harassing me. And I always talk about that experience as generally a really positive experience with the police Um which is primarily, you know, I'm incredibly privileged in that space. I went in with my husband. So, this white man and woman walked in. Um, and, you know, so very hetero presenting, very normal, quote unquote, whatever, you know. Um, and I did. And I, and I, like, I, I, secured an AVO and I did generally have a good experience but just when you were talking Carly about like the inappropriate questions when I had to sit there and go through everything um, this first police officer I had was great the second one asked me you know do I offer anal do I like anal do I you know and that like literally like it couldn't be further from what was related you know and I still talk about that experience as being as far as it goes for sex workers, a pretty fucking good interaction with the cops. Um, and it's like that wasn't, I sh- you know, and, and thankfully I, I wasn't coming to that from a recent trauma. Um, but I, I shouldn't have had to have that. And that's, you know, that's, that really should be the bare minimum that I shouldn't have to, to deal with shit like that. Um, and, and obviously I, I preface all of that by saying how privileged I was in that experience and that other than that it was pretty fucking good. But it's just not—it's not good enough.
2: Yeah, and and that's kind of the thing in Queensland, I guess. Um, you know how the sex work community works, right? Is you know we all share those stories, so people hear about each other's experiences with the police, and so yeah, I, I literally think you know hardly any sex workers in Queensland would report report crime mm-hmm. under this current situation because. You just hear weekly, right, of people having really bad experiences and being treated really badly. And at the same time, you also know that police are targeting you. Like every time you pick up the phone, it might be a cop on the other end when you're trying to, you know, make money, earning
1: income like everybody else. I think also like um, a good story that's actually a good example of this is a sex worker that did report um, a break and enter into her property and it was an old client that ended up stealing her money from bookings earlier that day the officers that attended actually said there's nothing we can do because sex work is illegal in Queensland (laughs) and she was working by herself following all of the legislation absolutely perfectly and they knew so little they thought it was completely illegal so they refused to act on her being robbed
0: the when I went to the police station one of the first things this the the, the first police officer I dealt with he said oh sorry about my ignorance but is is sex work legal like and I was like um you tell me buddy and obviously I schooled him but, like, I don't even know. And, you know, and, of course, it's not as big an issue because they're not actively policing it. But you're talking about people who are who are actively policing it and they don't even know what the bloody laws are.
1: I think that kind of shows, like, how much stigma we have to go through and how much of that is actually carried in, um, you know, from movies and media and things like that, especially from America where people in Australia don't even know the basic legislation yeah, on it. Absolutely.
2: But isn't that just so often the case that sex workers are the experts on the laws, right? And, yeah, I guess it just takes me back to the law reform campaign. If only people recognised how much um, sex workers were the experts on what the laws are, what needs to change, and what's a really bad idea about changes to the laws. We'd just, it'd be so much, yeah, cut out so much wasted time.
0: So one of the big fears, right, is the people who are going to get left behind who are we worried about being left behind
2: so street-based sex work is currently criminalized in queensland but over the last five years there have only been six offenses under the um public soliciting charge and um and that's partly because our um, street-based sector is quite small um a lot of people having moved to other ways of meeting clients but um it's also because um they have lots of other ways of um, criminalizing sex workers right so if you look at the stats the police stats it shows over years um most of the offenses were related to Um, public soliciting, and then at some point it just totally flips over to this other charge called knowingly participate in the provision of prostitution, and that's the one that most sex workers are now charged with. So in our opinion, it's police just kind of finding the easy pattern and then just sticking to it and just doing the repeat and repeat with sex workers and, you know, getting the easiest charge possible. Um, So we're worried that the QLRC process won't recognise the need to decriminalise street-based sex workers and um, they're framing it as, you know, they might need to keep laws or criminalisation in place in order to um, prevent, you know, public amenity impacts or impacts or on the public right and um but if you think about the number of charges they've been in the last 5 years right six in total across the whole state and clearly that's not a lot of impact on the community right. and um and probably and that
0: all it all comes back to stigma doesn't it it comes back to this idea that street based sex workers are standing in the middle of the park taking their clothes off and and calling out for clients or something ridiculous which is which is just not actually what's happening
2: absolutely and you know also kind of um, seeing street-based sex workers as different to the rest of the community rest of the sex work community right and also not recognizing street-based sex workers as part of the general community it really annoys me that bit because it's a uh, kind of you um, You know, lots of sex workers do a bit of street-based work, you know, a bit of other work. You know we all move around in the industry quite a bit so it's not as if people who are currently doing private work didn't at some point do some street work Absolutely. or when your rent's due and you haven't made enough that you don't do a street work job so yeah it's we're really we're really worried that you know that part of our community will be left behind the other part of it is in Queensland there are loitering and move on notice laws uh that'll use quite a bit and um we hear from other organisations that they're often also used against Aboriginal women and trans women. And um, so there is, in the consultation paper, the QLRC is talking about maintaining those laws as well, which would be a real problem. It would just keep the police um, in, in our lives and in women's lives and trans lives as well.
0: Definitely. And it's all well and good for them to say, well, we're not, we're not arresting sex workers because they're sex workers, but they can continue to do that under a different heading. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, yeah. yeah. So on that, decrim Queensland obviously put in their submission, a bunch of other orgs and, and individuals have put in submissions as well. Um, and where do we go from here? What's, what's next for this?
2: Well, we're really hoping that everyone um, hearing this will um, be fired up and as angry as we are and ready to, um, you know, come out fighting Once uh, should anything bad come out of this process because what we think we'll probably have to do is um, a fair bit more education. So we've got a lot of webinars and uh, workshops lined up over the last few months of the review process to uh, hope that the QLRC and others will listen to sex workers and hear about, you know, why we want the laws changed and, you know, follow through with getting rid of licensing and removing sex work from the criminal code plus getting rid of the police powers but um but should that not all go to plan then we want everyone out there to be ready with us to um yeah take action and make sure sex worker voices are heard in queensland to say no we're not taking second best we're not just having some little rejig of licensing we're not going to let leave any other sex workers criminalised. We want the full deal. We need full decriminalisation for sex workers to see even our basic human rights, workplace rights, legal rights, health rights and have safety in our work.
0: So, of course, we in the, you know, in our show notes, we have links to Decrim Queensland's uh, social media, which they do a great job of. They have infographics and sort of break stuff down. So it's a bit more... um, Uh, digestible so totally check those out um obviously yeah keep an eye on it as the year goes through where is there a a intended date that it's supposed to i mean it will probably be pushed back i imagine but
2: (laughs) ulrc are meant to uh report at the end of november 22
0: we shall see cross everything in the meantime i know our our listeners will they're legends thank you for joining us janelle and carly Got all of our fingers and toes and bits crossed um, and we look forward to hopefully really great outcomes.
2: Thanks so much, Jenna and Holly, even (laughs) though you're not there. We love the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jenna and Holly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. So stay tuned for our bonus episode where I'm speaking to an anonymous sex worker who is a migrant worker based in Queensland and she tells me a little bit about her personal experience interacting with the laws in Queensland as they currently are thank you so much for joining us this week and for making it right to the end of the episode. I know that the, uh, the legally kind of episodes, are not quite as juicy, probably not as many laughs, but, um, you know, they are really, really important. And at the end of the day, um, you know, that's what, that's what we're all about here. We want to get, the laws changed and the culture changed. So it's a big part of it. So thanks for sticking around. Uh, I want to thank our patrons, our even more generous somebodies, are uh, Lachlan, Timmy, Steve, our footstool, <laughs> Holly isn't here, so I'll say it's my footstool this week. James E, Scott C, our secret admirer, I'll say it's my secret admirer. Thank you. Andrew, Adam Smith, Leslie, Ellen, Sub London, Scott Watson, Miss Billy, Nora Knightley, Wheezy, Fritz, your tits, Mr. E, Brandon, Simon, Alfie, Greenie, Ophelia Parker, Aaron, and Nomad. And our extremely generous somebodies are Sergio, Josh, Wombat, Adam Moore, Brino, Sienna Saint, Andrew, Pete, and Aaron. Thank you so much. You know I think you're all legends. Have a good one. Bye. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Our name everywhere is somebody you Pod, as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month, and you can get all of our episodes ad-free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes action, bloopers, and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker.